Good morning. Welcome once again. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Good to be able just to open up his letter to us and see what he has for us today. No matter how many times that we break into the word, there's always something new and something different and something we can build upon. And uh, we've talked in the past about how God speaks to us in different ways. And I was listening to a song and uh, just some of the lyrics really, really stood out. And uh, especially with what we've been discussing over the last few weeks. And, you know, there's always that back uh, mindset of faith. Faith is the the key to everything. And uh, the lyrics in the song went that to have faith, your faith has to be tested. That's the only way to show that you have faith. And um, that really, really spoke to me because it really ties everything together and it really unlocks the mystery of of faith let's start off with a word of prayer do heavenly father we thank you for this opportunity to get into your word today father we ask you to open our hearts and minds to receive what you have for us father and just take myself out of the way father we ask this in the name of your son jesus amen and let's just start off to get us started in james 1 verse 2 and 3 my brethren Count it all joy when I fall into thy divers temptations, knowing this, that trying of your faith worships patience. You know, sometimes we uh, get this unrealistic reality of life, that it's supposed to be easy, that it's supposed to be simple, that it's supposed to be fun, that it's supposed to be happy. But what we fail to realize is that this world that we're in is only temporary. It's part of a a journey that we are going through, that we have that perfect existence that we long for. And the reason we long for it is because we had it and we lost it. It's part of us. It's built in to our DNA because we are made in God's image. And he wants that for us. And we have the opportunity, because it is a choice. So it's an opportunity. That's the thing about opportunities is that we have to seize the opportunity to be able to take advantage of it. We have to go forth and we have to take it. And we have that opportunity by simply receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. By being covered in that blood. By being part of that covenant, by being able to be of our salvation and securing our spot in eternity next to the Father with our Lord and Savior Jesus in heaven for all eternity. In a place of no more tears, no more pain. But for now, we're here. And we live in a world that Satan has dominion over. We live in a world that is corrupted by sin. We live in a body that is corrupted by sin. With all these things stacked against us, we are going to have time of unhappiness. We're going to have time of trouble. 
we're going to have trials. And we think, you know, why does it have to be that way? We have this loving God, you know, and he allows us to go through so much. Make sure you understand that he allows us, not that he puts us through it, but he allows us to go through it. He doesn't stop it. Faith isn't faith until it is tested. If you've been a regular listener, we've been talking a lot about faith. Because it's the basis of everything. Let's uh, look over at Hebrews 11. And let's uh, talk about faith a little bit. Chapter 11, I have penned in my Bible. It's the faith chapter because the whole chapter is about faith. But in verse 3, through faith we understand the words were framed by the word of God so that things are seen and not made of things which do appear. We have to believe in things that we cannot see. And that's a challenge for for humans because we want tangible proof. That's always our burden. We want scientific proof. We want physical evidence. But God, no, he works on a different level. And God tells us we simply must believe. That becomes a challenge. So we talk about how we believe. And someone can ask you, well, yes, I have faith. I have faith. I have all the faith that I need. I have faith for me. I have faith for you. I have faith for everyone. They ask, and just, why, yes, I believe. I believe. I believe in Jesus. I believe in the power of God. I believe in all these things. But you ever heard the expression that talk is cheap? So we can say all kinds of things. It's just like our character. What do we do? What are our actions? Because that shows our true inner being. You know, we talk about all the things that we want to do, that we will do. We go back to our, our troubleshooting God. We talk about prayer. You know, how many times... Have you raised a hand to the Lord? Oh, Lord, if you just let me win the lottery, I could do so many stuff without money. I could just do all these things. And, or if you would just give me this position or that prize or whatever it is, how it's going to be so life-changing, I'm going to do all these great things with it. It's good when it's in our minds. It sounds good when it comes out of our mouths. But see, only God knows how it's going to go in execution. Are we actually going to follow through and do those things? And we've all been there. You know, we're almost ready to close out another year. Another year has almost gone by. That means 
New Year's is right around the corner, and with that, we're going to have New Year's resolutions. How many of you has ever made a New Year's resolution? How many of you have ever broke a New Year's resolution? There's more gym memberships that are sold in January and February than the rest of the year. And by the summer, nobody's using them anymore. How many things have we told ourselves and we've told others that we're going to do and we're going to carry through? We're going to save that money. We're going to lose that weight. We're going to be faithful in the church. And then we don't. You know, as a, a pastor, one of my duties is, is to invite people to church. Try to get people in the doors. So, you strategically try to work it into, into conversation. And um, I don't know if this is an actual thing, but I would call myself a, a, a convert, covert, covert pastor. Under, undercover, because uh, I like to, to talk to people first before I ever reveal that detail, because it totally changes the way people interact with you. They can interact with average person, and then you tell them that one little detail about how you spend your Sunday mornings, and then the whole conversation changes. So then they start wanting to tell you what you th they think that you want to hear. So as a result, I get a lot of broken promises. I'll see you Sunday. I'll be there next week. I'm bringing people. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm coming into some money I'm going to give. God's going to get his part. And you know what? I don't even let it bother me anymore. It's just part of the process. And we all do it. It's human. When we interact with others, we want to avoid conflict. We want to move on. We want to do things. And perhaps even... At the time, we were actually dedicated to do what we said we're going to do. Someone once told me that you shouldn't make promises. Because a promise is a lie until you fulfill it. That you shouldn't promise things, that you should just go ahead and do it. That way there, we're not leaving expectations on the table to, to let someone down. Either do it or don't. But in retrospect, you know, we don't always intend to do these things. We just fall off the wagon. You know, we start that diet. And then as we see that cupcake sitting there and we're just drawn to it. 
And it's, it's real easy just to say it's okay. We'll start over. So I've made a long point to say that our faith is not faith until it's tested. That these trials, these tribulations, these challenges, these setbacks, these sicknesses, these devastating events are all part of the process to test our faith. We've talked about why we should count it all joy. Because as we go through something, as God helps us, as he fulfills his promises, as he answers our prayers, our faith increases. And that's something we can draw back on. That's something that we can use to build our faith. So next time it gets a little bit easier and a little bit easier. Are we steady in our prayer life? Or do we tend to put a little more, more emphasis on it when we're in time of need? When there's something in the background that's, that's bothering us? You've got to be a continual conversation. If we don't have nothing to ask for, how about throwing out some praises there? That's always a good method to use. But do we do that? Or do we simply just use him when we need him? When it's a necessity, how would our other relationships work if we only came in contact with people when we needed something? There's certain people when you see the caller ID come up, you know you're fixing to get asked for something because that's the only time the phone rings. How many times do we do that with God? So we have to keep having these things come along to push us back to him, push us back to God. It's one reason why he allows these things to happen. And if we go too long, it starts to wane. I've told you, if you ever experienced that peace, that only God can bring. If you ever experience having your prayers answered beyond a doubt that only God can do, and you have that wash over you, there's nothing else like that experience. But like everything else, you know, like when we first accept Jesus, when we first get baptized, all those first that we have, those feelings that drive us so much, begin to wane. So we have to have something to come along that's going to bump us back towards God. We have to try our faith. How many times have there been people that, oh, I believe, I have faith, and then as soon as they're called on to use it, it's nowhere to be found. We see them hallelujah and hey-minning and wearing their Jesus pin, but as soon as trouble strikes, it all goes away. You know, what kind of Christians do we want to be? Do we want to put on a good show? 
or do we want to be solid? Now we don't have a lot of amenities to to offer here. There's not a lot of entertainment factor. But I do hope that you're getting some core, concrete Word of God. Things that you can build upon and use in your daily life to build the things that are important. You know, when it comes time to call upon your face, it's not going to matter what kind of coffee was in the hallway. It doesn't matter how good the music was. What matters is what's going in your ears and sticking to your heart. Faith. By faith, Abel offered up God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that was righteous. God testified his gifts, and by its being dead speaketh. You know, if everyone did their part, all of our churches would be in great shape. And we've talked about how giving is for our benefit. And of course, God doesn't waste anything. God uses everything. And God takes that sanctification and he uses it for his churches, for his people. How many times when things get tight, instead of relying on faith, do we try to hoard? We go back to that original sin of not having enough and we hold back. I used to do the treasury for a number of years. So I know about the in and outs of the flow, cash flow. Boy, when things get bad, that's the first thing that gets cut. Well, God's not going to miss that. Should be the first thing you give, not the first thing you take away. But faith, faith. Verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe he is that, that he is a rewarder of them by diligently seek him. Verse 7, by faith, Noah warned, being warned of God, things not yet seen, moved with fear and prepared the ark. To save of his house by which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness of which by faith. Do you imagine how crazy he seems building a boat on dry land? How many times has God spoken to us? And we, I know, I've been there. Once he told me to go and preach, I was like, no, that's not me. I heard you wrong. Must be something else. God will get his way. God will get his way. By faith, Abraham, when called to go into a place that he should receive his inheritance, obeyed and went out, not knowing whether he went. 
Just go. Scary jumping out into the unknown. Traveling to a new place, making a fresh start, starting a new business. Stepping into a God-filled life. Anytime we make a change, it is scary. But by faith, we know that no matter what the situation is, no matter how unknown it is in front of us, God has already been there. He's already been there. He knows what's in front of us. He's already cleared the path. He has made a way. He is directing our steps. So by faith, all we have to do is take that step. God always provides a way. Genesis 22. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto Abraham, he said, Behold, here I am. And take thy son, thy only son Isaac, who I thou lovest, and give them unto the land of Moriah, and offer him a burnt offering upon the mountains that I will tell thee. You know, as a as a younger Christian in my walk with God, this account troubled me at first. Especially when I became a father and I realized how much I adore my offspring. And it seemed crazy that God would even ask such a thing. And then it was hard to wrap my mind around how Abraham would say, okay, I'm going to do it. You know, and many times I put myself in that position. I was like, could I have done the same thing? And the answer then would have been no. Now I'd like to say the answer would be yes. But there again, talk is cheap. And we don't know until our faith is tested. But it is a, a testament the story is, is so much more than what it is at face value. And we know it's from in-depth study is that God needed this to happen because he needed to set up for the line for which Jesus would come through. And there needed to be, through a man, voluntarily needed to allow this to happen, to allow Jesus to be able to come into this realm. Because man gave it away. Gave away the authority. So we had to let the authority of man bring Jesus in. And that's what was God was setting up. But also, because everything in the Word of God is so much more than one thing, two things. It's so many things. But it's a testament to the faith of Abraham. <coughs> Excuse me. Because he knew. He knew beyond knowing that God would provide. You know, he was 
and his wife were well past their prime to even have this child. This child was a miracle baby. A miracle that only could be a gift from God. And Abraham knew that. He also knew that God had made him promises. He said, you are going to be the father of many nations. What do you need for that to happen? You got to have offspring to carry on that line. This was a promised child. God's not going to fulfill a promise and then take it away. So Abraham knew all these things. So he did not have a doubt in his mind that God would provide. And you're welcome to read through and, and uh, see how that worked out. And, but as they went up there, and Isaac, he's getting a little nervous. Because they're walking up and they didn't bring anything to sacrifice. And... Then they built a little altar. Still, nothing to sacrifice. And he's like, Dad, hey, what's going on here? We're missing something, a big key of the puzzle. And then he next he finds himself laying on the altar himself, all ready to go. And then the ram appears. Just at the right moment, at the right time, when he's about to plunge the knife in, God provides. But you notice, and I guess we really should have read through all that so you would have seen it for yourself, but as you go through the chapter, Abraham never tries to change the situation. He never tries to explain How things could go differently. You know, many times when we're in faith, so to speak, we'll try to start giving God a way out. We don't see Abraham try to do that. We don't see him say, well, son, you know, you're going to go to a better place or anything like that. We just say God's going to provide. He's stuck with that. We don't see Abraham trying to delay anything. He got up early in the morning. He went to where he needed to go. He left all the rest of the people behind. He took exactly what he needed. He walked right up the mountain. He built the altar. He built the fire. He built everything he needed to do. He was ready to go without hesitation because of faith. He was ready to go. Even as he raised the knife up. You know, if this had been a, an epic movie, at this point when the knife came up, that's when we would have seen the breakdown and he would have thrown it to the side and said, no, I can't do it. And you know what? He would have failed. Not only would he have failed himself and failed God, he would have failed all of us too. But you know, God has a knack for picking the right people. 
and putting them in the right position. You're not paired with the people you are by accident. You're not placed where you are by accident. God has a plan for your life. And we all can't be superheroes, but we all have a purpose. And some of the times that purpose might be challenging. Sometimes that purpose may not seem that important. Sometimes that purpose might be stressful. But we all have a purpose. From doctors and lawyers to stay-at-home moms to preachers to construction workers to the guy that used to give you the little yellow smiley face stickers at Walmart. We all have a purpose. And Abraham was placed at the right moment at the right time. And we've seen him evolve and devolve. He got up and went, but he made a few mistakes along the way. He, he took Lot. He got nervous about people going to kill him and steal his wife. He regressed. But we're all human. I think God makes a really good point to point that out, to point out the flaws in everyone that he chooses, to show that any of us can be an Abraham if we just have the faith to do it. Can you imagine what it was like walking down that mountain? had that interaction. How Isaac must have felt. He's a young boy. He didn't have all the interactions that his father had had. You know, Abraham had been dealing with God for a while now, but Abraham, I mean, for Isaac, that was his you know, first big God moment. He was like seconds from feeling a cold blade pierce his chest. And God came through. Could you imagine what that was like to wash over him and feel that, that presence, to hear God's voice? Do you imagine what his faith was like then? And we see as we move on through his story that he had to have strong faith. We have many challenges. We have sickness. It seems like sometimes we get one thing better and something else goes. As we get older, there's just more and more things that hurt and creak and moan. And we have all these things that we have financial problems. We have people. People are a constant burden upon us. We have people that intently try to cause harm and damage and to take. We have people that unintentionally do the same thing. We have 
relationship issues. We have personal issues. We battle so many different things. But God wants us to lean on him to see us through. And it doesn't matter who we are or where we come from. Donald Trump. Now, whether you personally like the man or don't, that's indifferent. And like each and every one of us, he has a, a past. We all have things that we wish we have done differently. We've all made mistakes. But at some point, he decided to turn his life over to God. And I believe that greatly influenced a lot of decisions he's made. We see that a person that was one of the richest in the world, and I say was because during his four years of pregnancy, he lost so much wealth because he wasn't managing his businesses. He wasn't taking a salary. He was focusing on doing the job at hand. I believe he had a true love for America and the American people. And now we see that constantly they are trying to do things to discredit him. They've went and undone all the good that he's done during his tenure. They're constantly trying to put any kind of negative stigma that they can, trying to shut him down for any kind of future endeavors. So it doesn't matter your power. It doesn't matter your privilege, your place in life, your wealth. The world, Satan, will always come against you. They will always be trials and tribulations. There will always be times of fear and worry and doubt. Sometimes it thinks that the, the world is against you. Well, really it is. Really it is. The world is Satan's domain and he is against you. People are against you. If you're not living for Christ, then you're working for Satan. And in today's world, we see less and less God. You know what that means? If there's less and less God, there is more and more evil. There is more and more Satan. And that is so evident today. All we have to do is look around and open our eyes and see it. And I know that there'll be people clicking this off just for the name that I mentioned a little while ago. And they'll be discarding it because there is so much hate 
in a world that God says to forgive and to honor and to love. But I'm speaking truth. I'm speaking God's truth. Nothing I've said here today is opinion. It's something that could be looked at, verified. We have this thing nowadays where we want to cancel things we don't like. We call it hate speech, but really, reality, it is just speech that we hate. Faith is a challenge. And that's why so much today that we want to go with the herd. We don't want to be part of the minority. And if you are a born-again believer with true faith, my friends, you are a minority in this world. Look around you at what is going on. What is believed to be the norm? I'm all for equality, women's rights, fairness, but the amount of effort and fighting and protests about these abortion bills is disheartening. Especially for something that doesn't have to be a situation to begin with. That is a lack of faith. If you ignore the word of God, you're saying that I do not believe what he tells us in his letter. He says, I do not believe that by doing these things, my life will be better. And you know what? It won't be. Your life will not be better. Fighting for the right to take lives. Faith is not faith until it is tested. Each and every day we'll go through our challenges, but just keep that phrase in your mind. It's not a challenge, it's an opportunity to build faith. Nothing can defeat us if we have God. There is no rock bottom. The only way that we can fail the game of life is to not accept Jesus Christ. That's the only end all game over. But when you have God, there is always a continue button. There's a reset. And God can pick up the pieces. You can shatter your life into a million pieces. And God can pick up those pieces and rebuild it and make something new out of it. But you got to have faith.
There is no end. You know, we think that, well, we can just get through. Some people around this year, they get depressed. They think they can just take themselves out and it's just going to make everything better. Lost is lost. It's time to start rebuilding. But God doesn't want us to do it alone. He'll do the sweeping. All he wants you to do is hold the dustpan. You can pick those pieces up. But we have to allow him to do it. And to allow him to do it, we have to believe that he can do it. So no matter where you're at today, no matter how hopeless you feel, no matter how bad it seems, God is there. But we have to give him the opportunity. And so many times we get so close, we're like, okay, I'm believing, I'm believing, I'm believing, I'm believing. I give up. Just a few seconds longer. One more day, one more week, one more month. If we could just hold on just a little bit longer. I look back sometimes at my life, some of the decisions I made, and I wonder if I just waited just a little bit longer. Did I pull back too soon? Did I give up too soon? Did God have something bigger? Did I err too much on the side of caution and not let God carry me through? He's there for us. He is there for us. Allow him. This is the gift-giving season. There is no more perfect gift to receive than the gift of Jesus Christ. There is no more perfect gift to give than the gift of Jesus Christ. But don't let it be like that fancy new cooking device for the kitchen that you open up one time and you put it on the shelf and never do it again. Jesus is something that we need to use each and every day. It is something to take with us, to carry with us, to put it to work. But it's up to us. It's up to us to do it.